1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. We're dealing with faith and prayer. And as we've been learning, we first obey the written word of God. And then second, we obey and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And his voice is the still small voice. And we know his voice. We come to know his voice better by spending time in the word of God. And the Holy Spirit is never going to lead you to do anything that contradicts the word of God. So we pray and we obey. We pray and we obey. And sometimes that's why we're hesitant to pray because we know the Lord's going to deal with us about stuff. He's going to give us things to do, things to change, things to improve, things to do better. Amen. But that's part of growing and maturing in him. We pray and then we obey. And that's what we do until the day we go to be with the Lord and we follow his leading. And our attitude should be where you lead, I will follow. You know, this year, the last few years, but this year, especially in the midst of all this craziness, we have really walked in the blessing of God. And the Lord told my father to look this up at prayer, I believe this past Friday. But in 2018, my father and I were in Branson, Missouri. We were at a week of special meetings in Keith Moore's church. I believe it's called Faith Life Church there in Branson. And that week they were raising money for special projects they were doing as a church. And in one of the services, the Holy Spirit moved upon my father's heart for FCC to give $39,000 toward those special projects. And the Holy Spirit challenged my father to believe for a hundredfold return. And Friday at prayer, the Lord told my father, check the math and you'll see the, the hundredfolds come in. And what has come in just in the challenge offering building fund since we gave that gift. And he had the office checked in 2018, 19, and this year, a hundredfolds come in. Amen. And so we have to do our best in real time to follow his leading, and he's not trying to cost us anything. He's, he's trying to take us to new levels. He's trying to help us enter into all that he has for us and his blessing, but we have to listen, we have to hear, we have to obey, amen? And as we grow, as we mature, as we make progress, as he blesses us, he increases us, he expects more of us. You know, when the Holy Spirit deals with me about doing something, giving something, obviously at the age of 38, the Lord expects more than I, when I was a teenager in the youth group. And so, yes, he's going to challenge you, but that's part of it. Now, faith, as pastor said last Wednesday evening, faith will lead you to places where reason cannot go. Faith will lead you where reason cannot walk. Praise God for common sense. We need common sense. Praise God for our minds. We need the mind, amen? And you can educate the mind. There, there's a time, there's a place for good kinds of entertainment, amen? We can educate the mind, we can grow, 
our knowledge, praise God, for what we can achieve with reason, but there are limits to it. Faith can take us places reason cannot go. Reason will never enable you to do the impossible. Reason, it'll never climb a mountain, and reason will never move a mountain out of the way. And if you're in the midst of a challenge or you're staring at a mountain, if you're walking by your reasoning, you're going to have a hard time believing God. You got to shut that down and operate by faith in your heart. Jesus said, Mark 11, beginning in verse 22, he said unto them, have faith in God, or literally have the God kind of faith. Have faith like Father God has faith. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say, so not, not believe, not hope, shall say unto the mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. See, a lot of times we're, we're struggling because we, we have doubts here, but Jesus didn't talk about doubts here. He said, and shall not doubt where? In your heart. Doubts up here are normal, but we got to walk by faith and we got to walk by the spirit, which is the real you on the inside. And shall not doubt in your heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He, you, you shall have whatsoever you saith. But that's walking by faith, not by reason. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, not someone else for you, not the world, what you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. So faith can scale mountains and faith can scale mountains without fear. Faith can even move a mountain out of the way. Faith in God and faith in his word makes all things possible. And as I told a young person this weekend, it doesn't all happen overnight. It doesn't all happen by 3 p.m. on Tuesday. Wish it did, but it doesn't. But as you stand in faith and stand on the Word of God and don't give up or quit or throw in the towel, it is amazing what God does over time. And some things happen quicker than others, but we just keep fighting the good fight of faith. Amen. Pastor's been challenging us to keep a list a prayer list to not let go of things. He's challenged us to also keep a list of answered prayer and miracles and testimonies. And if you'll do that, you'll see over the course of three months, six months, a year, it is amazing how much the Lord does over time. Faith in God and faith in his word makes all things possible. And faith will take you places reason cannot go. Reason and the realm of reason, it can't go where faith walks. And in these last days, we need to walk in the light and the fullness of who we are in Christ and of all he's done for us. We should no longer be babies or infants in the spiritual nursery. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11. You know, as we spend time in the house of God, as we hear and learn the word of God, God expects more of us. We ought to be growing. We ought to be making progress. Pastor, I know in the Holy Week revival, when he's taught, he's compared it to passing first grade and second grade and third grade, where we ought to be growing up. We ought to be maturing. We ought to be making progress. We ought to have some graduation certificates on the wall. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, or pastors, teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up 
until we all reach unity. Now, we ought to be of one heart and one mind and one purpose. Amen? And that, that's when we can do great things. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And Peter says, so that we may participate in the divine nature. Hosea says, why are God's people destroyed? It's from a lack of, and where do we gain our knowledge? In church, hearing the word, but ultimately it comes from the word of God. And if you're dealing with the challenge and you'd say, Austin, I need information, you got to open up your Bible and look. Amen? But praise God, we have this thing called Google, and it is amazing. Or Bible Gateway, and I'm not promoting one website over another. Amen? It is amazing the software we have. And when my father wrote his dissertation for seminary, he had to do that on a typewriter. And I remember him explaining to me that when you made a mistake, there is no, like, undo button. You literally had to redo the entire page. When I did mine, praise the Lord for technological advancements. <laughs> Man, they got software now. You can connect into any library in the world. You can tell it what format you're doing, MLA, Chicago, or when they're difficult, like at the seminary, and they got their own custom thing. You can tweak it, modify it, and it does all of that for you. They still got to double-check it, Amen. Because at those levels, they're, they're double-checking. They're very particular. But knowledge, why? So that we may become mature. So smile at your neighbor. Now, you got to do this with the smile. You can't do this if you don't do it with the smile. Smile at your neighbor and say, grow up. Now, tell your other neighbor, smile and say, grow up. See, we're, we're to be maturing. I love whenever I hear on the radio, Joel Osteen does his message on some people are like sandpaper, and God uses them to take the rough edges off of you. And that, that is the truth, amen? But over time, the rough edges ought to be coming off. We ought to be growing. We ought to be maturing. We ought to be making progress, amen? We ought not be at the same place we were five years ago, that we may become mature, attaining the whole measure. So we shouldn't be satisfied with part. We shouldn't be satisfied with 10%, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. That, that means living a life where you go from this to that. You don't make progress. You don't know what you believe. You're constantly changing what you believe. And you're the kind of person that's gullible and can easily be taken advantage of. See, that's not a mature person. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we want all things grow up. See, there it is, grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Now go over to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews 5, beginning in verse 11. And the author of Hebrews, he writes, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to ex explain because you are slow to learn. Now see, this is the author of Hebrews saying this. This is not, this is not me saying this. You are slow to learn. In fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. See, when a, a child gets to a certain point, they should know how to read. And if they don't know how to read, there's a problem, and it can be fixed, but it, it has to be fixed by someone who cares and is willing to invest the time, the effort, and to do what's necessary. And so this is important. We, we, as we are in the kingdom of God, we ought to be making progress. And we ought to understand the basics and have the basics under our belt to then 
where we can teach others, we can disciple others, we can instruct others. And like it says in Ephesians, we're not infants tossed back and forth. Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths. We could say the ABCs of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. And if there's a verse for our culture today, there's the verse. Because we, we live in a culture where even amongst the people of God, there seems to be great confusion about what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's evil, what's righteous, and what's wicked. And so we see here that you're not maturing and you're not a mature believer if you can't distinguish these things. And if you're not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. One of our launching verses on Sunday mornings has been Matthew 6, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and praise God because of what Christ did on our behalf. By grace, his righteousness is imputed or credited unto us to our account. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. It is credited to us, but we are actually to live as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that's part of how we're salt and light in today's wicked world. So anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, a babe, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Well, I don't want to just learn about the basics every time I come to church. Amen? The basics are good. They're important. We, we cover them. We deal with them, but I, I want the solid meat of the Word of God so I can attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ and so that I can walk in everything the Lord has for me. A solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Chapter 6, verse 1, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings, the basics, the ABCs about Christ, and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And he says, God willing, we will do so. And if you've done laying a firm foundation, which is our new member's workbook in the cafe, it covers each of those things. Why? Because those are the basics that every believer should know and understand and be clear on before they help and serve, and try and teach or instruct anyone, whether it's an adult or whether it's a five-year-old child. So we're to mature. We're to make progress. Amen? We're not to be babies or infants in the spiritual nursery. And uh, this, is what, this goes back to that thing of distractions. Because who wants to use all of a pastor's time? The mature believer or the babe in Christ? And it's understandable if the babe is literally a babe in Christ who just got saved this past Wednesday night or this past Sunday. But not if it's Joe Schmo who's been coming. And if your name's Joe Schmo, I apologized. I tried to pick one, nobody's name. But the issue is you just can't commit. Can't be here, can't be here on time, can't be faithful. Here one week, gone 10. Here one week, gone 12. And it's the same story year after year. Well, you can't grow up and mature and make progress in the kingdom of God living like that. 
So we're not to be babies or infants. We're to grow up in Christ. And we ought to be all that God has called us to be in this day and this hour. God, God is counting on us. We were born for such a time as this. And I know it's sobering. You know, you turn on the news or get on social media and you think, oh my goodness, got to pray more. You know, Lester Sumrall would love to be here right now. We were born for such a time as this. David Wilkerson, the Lord gave him the vision. We have to look up the exact year, but it was the 70s. And when David Wilkerson put that in a book, people were horrified and people were angry. And when God gave David Wilkerson the vision, he actually shared that as a message at a Pentecostal denominational pastor's gathering that year. And people were not receptive, they were angry. And they said, he's crazy. They said that the things that he said would happen in America would never happen in America. But if you grab a copy of that in the cafe or listen to the audio online or look it up online, everything in that book has come to pass. And things in America today are far more evil and far more wicked. And there's a mentality that, well, we're special. God wouldn't judge us. You know, because Abraham, he, he talked the Lord into, well, if there's just 10 righteous people. I love, what, I love what Leonard Ravenhill said about that. And he wrote a book on it. Sodom and Gomorrah had no Bible. But America does. And it is a sobering sobering thought. So we were born for such a time as this. And we are to be salt and light in the days in which we're living. We ought to be all that he has called us to be. So say this, say, I am, I am. who he says I am. Says I say, am. I, am I am what he says I am. I have what he says I have. Say, God, God is big in me. Big in say, I have his divine nature. His divine nature. Say, I have, I have his, ability. his ability. And I can do all things, do all things. Through, Christ through Christ who strengthens me. So we ought to grow up. Amen. We ought to mature. We ought to make progress. And as it says elsewhere in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, it, it's time to throw off everything that so easily entangles. And it's time to get past this or that you've been dealing with for five years or 10 years or however long it is, however long, and it's time to make progress in the things of God. We, we are who he says we are. And he wants all of us to walk and to live at a higher level. So knowing this and believing it makes life big. It makes life rich. It makes the Christian life worth living. We're partners together with him. Where we go, he goes with us. And what he asks of us, we do. He works in us. He works through us. I love what T.L. Osborne would always say, what God has done in your life, God now wants to do through your life in the lives of others. And praise God, when he has a difficult assignment, he calls on us. Because not everybody's willing. Not everybody's saying yes. So when he has an assignment, he calls on us. When he has something that needs to be done or given, he taps on our shoulder to give it, to obey, to be a blessing. And why is that? Because we obey. We say, yes, Lord.
See, there's an old-time song. So we ought to take our place. We ought to enjoy our divine rights. Now turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 10. And I'm actually going to be reading this out of Moffat's translation. And in Moffat's translation, it says, Paul writes to conclude, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. You might say, Austin, I've got this or that going on. I'm discouraged about this or that. Paul didn't tell us to be strong in our own might. He said to be strong in his might, to be strong in the Lord, to put on God's armor, not our armor. Whose armor? His armor. So as to be able to stand against the stratagems or the strategies of the devil. Verse 12, for we have this struggle, not with blood and flesh, but with angelic rulers. The King James says, with principalities and powers. And I know we see this or that in the news and we think, you know, the problem is this or that person. It is the principalities and the powers in high places. It is the demons influencing those people. Our struggle is not with blood and flesh, but with angelic rulers, the angelic authorities, the potentates of the dark present, the spiritual forces, the spirit forces of evil in the heavenly sphere. So take God's armor that you may be able. So without the armor of God, we're not able. And there's a reason why people stumble. If you keep stumbling, you're walking around in the darkness. Go and read 1 John, little short epistle, few chapters, and he says, we're to walk in the light as he's in the light. You know, I've joked about sometimes how if you're a parent with little kids, it can be dangerous walking through the house at night with the lights off. One of the best gifts I have received is from a family in the church. They got me a pair of slippers with flashlights on them. Praise the Lord. Amen. Pick up. You still get surprised. See, we're, we're to put on the armor of God, and we need it for the day that we're living in. So take God's armor that you may be able to make a stand upon the evil day and hold your ground by overcoming all the foe. And notice he, he was calling that day evil. There is nothing new. Jesus said that when he returns, it will be like the days of Noah. The world has seen evil days before so that you may be able to take to make a stand upon the evil day and hold your ground by overcoming all the foe. Hold your ground. Tighten the belt of truth, not the belt of dishonesty, not the belt of lies, not the belt of secular opinions, theories, and ideas, the belt of truth about your loins. Wear integrity. Some translations say the breastplate of righteousness. Wear integrity as your, your coat of mail. Verse 15, and have your feet shod with the stability or readiness of the gospel of peace. And above all, take faith as your shield. You know, it's funny that there are people that are against faith. They don't want to hear about faith. Well, faith is the shield. Well, well I, don't, I don't know why I keep getting hit by all these fiery darts. Well, it's because you, you don't want to hear about faith. Take faith as your shield to enable you to quench all the fire-tipped darts flung by the evil one, put on salvation as your helmet, and take the Spirit as your sword. That is 
the Word of God. So what's our offensive weapon? What has power? What has authority? And in every Holy Week revival, we, we deal with this. What do we pray? I know my, my opinions, my theories, my ideas, how they pray when there are public events, how they pray at public events so as to offend no one. You know, I was horrified the last time we took the kids to the stock show in Fort Worth. I mean, it's the stock show in Fort Worth. If anywhere ought to have a conservative prayer, it's the stock show in Fort Worth. But they had a student from TCU's seminary, Bright Divinity Pray. Dear Mother Earth, whatever. Oh, generic one. <laughs> what has power? What has authority? What extinguishes every work of the enemy? The Word of God. What brings victory? The Word of God. So that's our offensive weapon. Praying at all times in the Spirit. And someone might say, well, I don't believe in that. I didn't grow up with that. Well, you got to set that aside. Because it is a gift that has been given to us. It has great power. We certainly live in days in which we don't know how to pray as we should for this or that or this or that person. So we need to pray in the Spirit. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all manner, all kinds of prayer and entreaty. Be alive to that, attend to it unceasingly, interceding on behalf of all the saints. I shared a few Wednesdays ago that when I hear stories about these pastors being harassed, the one in California, where they, they now find that church more than six figures, I pray for them. I pray for them. They are our brothers and our sisters in Christ. And I'm thankful that even though things are not fully opened up in Texas, even though they should be, that we are able to gather, that we are here, and that we're not being harassed, amen, that no weapon formed against us prospers, but we ought to pray for them, interceding on behalf of all the saints. So the purpose of our spiritual armor is so that we may enter the prayer fight, and it is a fight. The purpose of our armor is so that we may enter the prayer fight and win. So when you pray, you may not realize it, but when you pray, you're prevailing, you're overcoming, you're winning. Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. And it's a good fight because if you'll fight it by faith and not give up, you'll win. Our Heavenly Father wants us to be victorious. You know, when we gather for church, preaching and teaching, it's important because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, but the foundation for everything has to be prayer. Prayer is the foundation for everything. And any failure in the life of a believer is a prayer failure. Any failure of any Christian endeavor is a prayer failure. Why do we fail? It's because we do not first pray. Why do we make poor choices and decisions? It's because we do not first pray. Why do we make poor choices in friendships and relationships? It's because we do not first pray. When we hire, why do we make poor decisions in hiring? It's because we do not first pray. When people make poor choices and decisions in dating and marriage, why does that happen? It's because they first do not pray. Pray first and before 
any major decision in life. And again, why, why do we talk about praying first thing in the morning? Well, better to pray before you have your day. And I understand there are those that work at night. They have different schedules, amen? So you got to do what works for you. Now, Dad Hagen, he could, he could lay in bed and pray. If I tried praying in bed, I would not get any praying done. You know, Jesus told us about the unforgivable sin, which was blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. But I came across one that's nearly close to that, and that is setting your alarm too loud when there's a sleeping baby in the room. I had my iPhone on full volume. I didn't think to double check it. And yep, 5 a.m. rolled around and the alarm went off and heard the baby. Then I heard Jessica. And I, just thought, I was awake, amen? I was awake that day. Any failure of any Christian endeavor is a prayer failure. Prayer alone gives success. Paul wrote in Ephesians 6 and verse 18, and pray in the Spirit. And again, that means praying in the Holy Ghost, in tongues. It doesn't mean to pray in English or in Spanish or in French with extra oomph or enthusiasm. To pray in the Spirit means to pray in the Spirit, by the Spirit, with the help of the Holy Spirit. And pray in the Spirit on how many occasions? All occasions. With how many kinds of prayers and requests? All. All. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. So don't give up, don't quit, always keep on praying for how many of the saints? All. So we're to pray all kinds of prayer. And there is more than one type of prayer. And so you've got to learn the types of prayer. You've got to learn when to pray each type of prayer. You've got to learn how to pray each type of prayer so you can do it effectively. Now, if we're going to wake up and pray, we want to get results when we pray, amen? And so there are various types of prayer in the New Testament. There's the prayer of faith, which is the prayer of petition to change things. There's the prayer of consecration, which is a prayer of dedication, like when Jesus prayed, if it be thy will. There's the prayer of commitment. That's when we cast our cares, our anxieties, our worries upon the Lord. There's the prayer of worship, when we, we worship the Lord, we gather with joy and gratitude and thanksgiving. There's the prayer of agreement, Jesus spoke of when two or more believers stand in faith and agreement to present a petition or request to the Lord. There's prayer in the Spirit, which I just spoke of, when we pray in the Spirit, in tongues, as led, as moved upon by the Holy Spirit. There's united or corporate prayer. We could call it church prayer. When we gather together to pray for the church or a pressing need or situation, or when believers gather together to pray for our nation. Then there's the prayer of supplication, when we make a humble or heartfelt, earnest request to God for ourselves or for other believers or for laborers to be sent forth. And when we have these outreaches and pray that there would be a mighty harvest, we, that, the prayer of supplication is one of the prayers that we pray. Then there's intercessory prayer, when we pray for others standing in the gap. And that's what we all ought to be doing for our nation and our leaders in 2020. We ought to be praying and interceding for our nation. And you can read about these types of prayer and learn more about them. Kenneth Hagin has a great book called The Art of Prayer, and he gives examples for each. It's really great, really helpful. Our nation desperately needs prayer. It desperately needs prayer. And the church in America needs prayer. Nothing can take the place of prayer.
And so we ought to start the day in prayer. And look, don't get into guilt and condemnation. You know, people ask me if I'm getting sleep. I'm getting plenty of sleep. Jessica is not. I'm good. Amen? But if you you wake up late one day, don't get into guilt and condemnation. Just pray in the car on your way to work. You know, everybody's got these, you know, Bluetooth earpieces or now these ridiculous-looking Apple earphones that look like earrings. You know, goodness. I don't want a pair of old-fashioned headphones with the wire and everything. I don't want to look like I'm wearing earrings in my car. Amen? So if you know about manly earbuds, let me know. But people are in their car talking. They're talking to themselves in 2020. So there's nothing wrong with talking to the Lord in your car. Amen? Amen. And, uh, you know, it can be an effective time. That's more effective than listening to talk radio. I know that. Amen? So don't, don't get into guilt and condemnation as we've taught. Set aside time. Get started. Be consistent. Amen? And if you sleep in one day, it's not the end of the world. Just do better the next day. Leonard Ravenhill once said, prayer is the secret. When you make up your mind that you will give time to prayer, the devil will fight it more than anything else. Your phone will ring. Phones don't ring anymore, but it'll beep and vibrate or do whatever it does. People knock on your door. Visitors will come. He'll line up one distraction after another. And look, you can't pray while you're on Facebook. You know, you can't be like trying to pray and spend time with the Lord and then look, what what notifications do I? It, It is totally distracting. You got to set all of that aside, just you and the Lord. Samuel Chadwick, a Wesleyan Methodist minister, said this about prayer. The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from prayer. He fears nothing from our prayerless studies, our prayerless work, and our prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. No man or woman is greater than his prayer life. So nothing in our lives can take the place of prayer. But how how do you learn to ride a bike? Just by doing it. And mom or dad finally letting go and letting you go down the driveway. Amen? Amen. So you got to enter the school of prayer. You got to go into the school of prayer with Christ and learn the secret of prayer and how to pray and the precious ministry of intercession. And over time, we learn We grow, we mature, we make progress, and hopefully today in 2020, we're doing a better job in all of our lives of praying and praying effectively than we did last year or the year before. Amen? Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life. 
because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.